0: I feel a, a, a specific and interesting direction from the Lord today um, in the scripture. When I, when I first started thinking about this, um, I guess the Lord's kind of put it on my mind and made me, made me think of it in the, in the context of balancing a work life and a life of kingdom work. When I say work life, I mean mo- uh, Many of us, most of us Have a job of some kind The J-O-B And that's not the book of Job We have a job And we have responsibilities uh, For that For that work life And With the Lord's help today I, I, I believe he would instruct us um, In the word To make sure that we are properly balanced between our work life, if I'll call it that, and our life in the kingdom, our our Christian walk, our our time of work in the kingdom of God. Um, I believe he wants to help us with that and give us some instruction about this. Um, You know me, I don't really like to read notes a whole lot. But some of these thoughts I felt the Lord impress on me specifically. So I want to read them just to give you a sense of what it is the Lord's talking to me about. First of all, our experiences. siblings, my siblings, they're all, they're different. And so the the experiences that we grew up with shape us to a large degree. What you've seen and what you've heard, what you've grown up around, oftentimes this sets the course and it sets the expectation for your own life. We, 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 we talk to our children often about this, you know, when you grow up. The idea of who you're going to be, what you're going to do, what do you want to be when you grow up. That's one of the most common questions that that children are asked. And so from the early age, they're kind of conditioned to think, well, when I get big, when I grow up, when I'm an adult, what's my life going to be like? (laughs) I can remember a time, uh, I think it was, I think it was my son, Callum, who said, when he was really young, probably five or, or under, he said, I'm going to have seven boys, I'm going to name them all Caleb, I'm going to have seven girls, and I'm going to name them all Relin. That was his attempt to say Loren. <laughs> but what he's, what he's saying is, well, this is my life right now. You know, as I understand it, I'm a child in a house. With parents and other children, so I think when I grow up, I guess I'm going to be the adult and I'm going to be the parent in a house with children. So that's that's what I'm saying is our our experiences and our environment goes a long ways into setting our expectations for us as we move forward in life. For example, I'll give you another one. If your parents or your immediate family, aunts, uncles, uh, grandparents, siblings, whoever you were uh, around all the time at home, if they drank alcohol, then it's pretty likely that you would have seen that as a normal part of growing up and living life. If you're like me and you're in a house where people didn't, some of you have heard me tell this story before. I remember being about 10, 11 years old. I was staying with a, a family member who really didn't attend church anywhere. And their life was different than my life. And uh, it, it was my, one of my cousins that I was, I was close with, good friends with. But I was usually close with him at my grandparents' house. Or at this other aunt and uncle's house. Well, one time we decided to stay at his house. And boy, was that an awakening for me. When I go to the refrigerator to get a drink, and I see a six-pack of alcohol in there. Uh, Lord, where am I? This was, it was a shock to me as a child. I'm pretty sure I called and asked my parents to come get me. Because I can't stay in this house if that's in the refrigerator, I don't know what else is in this house. That's kind of how I'm processing all of that. But that's the difference in me and my environment and someone else who that's a normal thing for. And I I, I mean, I don't mean to really speak out of turn or, or sound disrespectful, but I don't understand when that's the that's the normal in the house, how you just tell a child, no, you can't have that, no, you can't have that. Yes, I can have that, but no, you can't have that. Yes, And then one of these days, the, the boundary is not going to be the same. And it's, well, one day, yes, you probably can, but not right now. And then, well, maybe now you're old enough. And so the environment that you're in sets the expectation. It, it, it would not be a strange thing at all in this, in this example for the child to grow up and say, well, when I get older and I got my own refrigerator, I'm going to put what I want to put in there including what's already in there. That's just life. Okay, that's the expectation. That's the environment. If your dad or your mom or both, if you were raised by your parents, if they worked a job when you were uh, uh, young at home, then you probably thought, that's just what grown-ups do. So when I'm a grown-up, I'll be doing that. And if not then you probably thought, well, some people work, some people don't. Some people go to work, some people stay home. Whatever, however you experience those things uh, shapes what you grow into. Either way, and wh- wh- whatever your upbringing was in comparison to mine, we need to reach the point where we look at the Bible for its shaping of us. It's going to tell you what you should do. It's going to tell us what our house should look like. It's going to tell us what our families should look like. The question, honestly, today is, are we going to look for that example? Or are we just going to say, well, that was them back then, but this is me now? And there's there's no crossover, there's no relevance because I'm who I, I am, who I am, and they are they were who they were. No, we look to the Bible. We we understand this in a lot of ways. We look to the Scripture for direction for our lives, and I'm doing the same in this, er, this area on this topic. not everyone's this is an understatement not everyone's employment situation is the same i mean like i said that's an understatement there's a few of you you work in the same place as some other people but that's about as close as it gets you know your 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 job your immediate coworkers your immediate supervisors and your Companies or your places of business, they're not the same. They're very different from one person to the next to the next. I think that's right. That's by God's design. I mean, don't take offense at this, please. But if I started my own company and I needed 50 employees, I probably wouldn't say, okay, all 50 of you are hired. That's not anything against any of you. It's just we know business dynamics and some of you, I know, you wouldn't want to come work for me. I wouldn't want you to quit your job and work for me instead. You know, what I'm, what I'm getting at is it's by God's design for you to do what you are supposed to do in your life. And it's, you, you can't look at me and say, well, Elder works at the courthouse, so I guess I need to apply there. Or he went to school for this, so I guess I need to go to school for that. Or, he got married and have five kids, so I guess I need to get married and have five kids. Maybe you should. I don't know. (laughs) But you see what I'm saying is, God's will for you is what's important. But God's will for you is also addressed in the Bible. Let me say that again. God's will for you is addressed in the Bible. I can say this, and I believe this is really the kind of the undertone that I feel the Lord's going to address today. While none of our employment situations are the same, there is a, a blanket universal statement that I can say about everyone. No one should be idle, as in doing nothing. I'm not even saying you got to work a job and earn a wage. Understand what I'm saying is You can't have nothing be what you do That is dangerous for many reasons But it's also in the scripture When you are idle You are in trouble You are opening yourself up For all kinds of problems And issues A lot of those would simply be addressed by if you were doing something with your time, that would not be an issue. If you had a responsibility, this would not be an issue. But because you don't, this is. No one should be idle with their time, with their resources. Amen? Everyone should be doing something productive with their days. If you allow me, I'll get real, real personal. Days, as in tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that. Sometimes we confine the message to tell me on Sunday, and then I'll just apply it how I want to apply it when and where God deals with me. Well, okay, th- wh- what he's talking about today is your daily routine. If my daily routine is nothing. I don't, I don't have to get up at any certain time. I don't have to show up anywhere at any certain place. I don't have to communicate with other people unless I just want to. I'm telling you right now that needs to change. When you are idle with your time and with your energy, with your days. Now, I, I'm not... I, this is, this, I'm going to be as specific as I want And I'm going to be as vague as I want Because I don't want you saying Alright elder tell me what I got to do tomorrow I mean I'll, I'll help you But I want you saying alright lord Right now my calendar is free tomorrow What am I supposed to do with it Everyone should be doing something Productive with their days You don't have to turn here, but just let me mention this verse, Ecclesiastes 9.10. It says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. That is a command. If you know Ecclesiastes, it was written by Solomon, David's son. And He was sharing his wisdom with humankind to say whatever you're going to do. We're not all going to be road construction workers. But if you are one, do it and do it well. We're not all going to be chefs. But if you are one, do it, do it well. We're not all going to be mothers. But if you are one, do it, and do it well. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Look at Acts chapter 18, verse 1, if if you will. We're going to look at the example of the Apostle Paul here. Paul was the epitome of a kingdom worker. To me when I see this in Scripture, he was a journeyman missionary. He wasn't a, a novice and he wasn't an apprentice. He was a journeyman. He was the expert level missionary. God took him from here to here to here to here, all over. And, the, and everywhere he did, everywhere he went, he worked, He worked in the kingdom. And sometimes he worked outside of the synagogue or outside of the earshot of townspeople where he's just preaching. When I say everywhere he went, he worked, I don't mean everywhere he went, he was a preacher. He was, and he shared the gospel with whomever. but he wasn't he wasn't a preacher for a job. Here's the example. This is in in Corinth. Now, if you know, that sounds familiar. There's the book of Corinthians because there is a church in Corinth. What's taking place here is before the church was established in Corinth. So we get to see a, a biblical city before it was a biblical city and what took place there. After these things, Paul... Departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Verse 2. And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius, who was the emperor in Rome, had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And Aquila and Priscilla, Paul, came to them. Verse 3. Because he was of the same craft, meaning the same job, Paul did the same work that Aquila did. Because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought or worked. This is a different side of the Apostle Paul than what we normally see and read in Scripture. There, there's a, a few um, elements around here that give you some ideas of the, of the time frame and how long this might have went on. But basically, verse 2 says he found Aquila. That means, he, first of all, he was looking for somebody. He, he, he's, he, he knows I'm in Corinth because God led me here. Uh, act like he leads me everywhere, I'm here. While I'm here, I'm going to look for God's leading, God's instruction. And I see it when it says he found Aquila. I see it as something illuminated this man to Paul. I believe it was the spirit of God through his wisdom and his discernment. He said, there's a man. Go talk to him. Go find out what he does for a living. You know he's not from around here, just like you're not from around here. And they, lo and behold, well, I, I this is probably going to sound silly, but my job is I make tents. And Paul's saying, that doesn't sound silly. That's what I do for a living. Wait a second, I thought you were a preacher. They were of the same craft, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So he lives there with them. And that verse 4, a little bit further insight, and he, talking about Paul, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Watch it for a minute because we're getting a glimpse of his routine. He dwells with them and works with them. I I, I don't know. I, I just imagine that as... We, maybe they had a yard. Maybe they had a, uh, a big enough sitting area or whatever it is. But I see them working, getting to know each other, and sharing what they know of God and the Scripture. And then Paul says, but on the Sabbath day, just wait. We get the weekend. On my weekend, I go to the synagogue and... Be, why? Because that's where people care to know about the Lord. So I spend my time around people that care to know about the Lord, and I share with them. It says he reasoned with them, or he discussed with them. You understand, Paul, at this point, was not the pastor of Corinth. There was no pastor of Corinth. There were the Jews that met at the synagogue on the Sabbath. So Paul went, and he would reason with them and and teach them and discuss with them. No doubt, Aquila and Priscilla came along and heard and probably were asked to share sometimes too. But he did this for a living. Think about that phrase for just a minute. this, This is how he earned, this is how he had the ability to live. He works, yes, gets paid, probably not a lot. I don't know how much they made back then for making tents. Probably upon completion, right? So he would, get, he would earn his living, and then he would go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and do his church work. Keep going, verse 5. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia... Two disciples, two other preachers. They came from Macedonia. Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Now, let me just tell you, every other translation that I can see words it a little bit differently than just he was pressed in the spirit. Really what it says was he started to devote his full time and energy to testifying to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Now, I, I'm, I'm charging you today to do some study. Go and look. Don't just say, don't just say well, he must be right because he's got the microphone. No, go and look and study. And you'll see he went from working 510s or 512s or 4 eights or 1-5. <laughs> he went from working weekly and going to the church on the weekends to working in the church. I don't really like to use that term because there was no church building. But doing his call of God all the time, full time. I, I wish it said more about what Silas and Timothy did. But really, all what we can see and learn from is when, when those two brothers showed up, they allowed Paul to do more than what he could do without them. You, you fill in the blank how you think it went. Maybe Paul said, I, you two can do the work of one tent maker, so you sit here and, and, and do this while I'll go out there and preach. Or maybe he said, You showing up here is a sign to me that the Lord is ready for us to strike. You go with me. He might have even told Aquila and Priscilla, we're all going to have to take two weeks vacation. No tents for two weeks because this is the timing of the Lord to go do the work full time. However it played out, what I see is, This, that Paul had a system of support. I I feel the Lord gave me that, that phrase specifically. A system of support. And that's different from a support system. It sounds the same. But when we think of support system, it just means people that say, oh, you're doing good. Keep up the good work, buddy. I'm here to support you. No, a system of support says, what do you need from me in order for you to go do what you do? You see the difference? Now, this is where I believe, even in 2023, right here, the Lord has systems of support designed for each of us. Some of us, the system of support looks like a husband and a wife and children. And one works, or they both work. And one raises the the kids. We, that that, well, oh, mm, I couldn't fool you guys. I was trying to I was trying to come in the back door here and say what a family is supposed to look like according to the Bible. But you're too smart. now I I know you're. I am old school, okay, in a lot of ways. You probably know that about. And I've got, you probably think, well, I don't even have to listen to him anymore because he just admitted he's old school and he's not hip with all the cool current stuff. No, you know, you know me well enough to know I want to live like the Bible says to live, and I want us all to live like the Bible says to live. Whatever school that is old school, new school, or no school it's in the Bible. That's where I get my schooling. This is why I say the Lord has support systems. Systems of support for you. Whether you're male or female, married or unmarried, young or old. He's got a design. 1 Timothy chapter 5. I'm going to try to go through this quickly. The Lord, if you'll follow me and this scripture, the Lord will share some light on some things. I don't have time to, do, to dwell on all that's covered in here, but it's good and it's important. Your support system is found in this, in this chapter. All of ours. So Paul's writing to Timothy now. He says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. First of all, that's not just a word to Timothy because he's a preacher or because he's trying to become a preacher. No, that's the word from Paul, the elder, to Timothy, the younger, for how to be a Christian. How to behave yourself like a Christian. How to be among other men and women in the Christian way. Don't, mm, I'm going to try to hurry, I promise. You guys can time me. I don't know what the limit is, but you can time me. And then you'll be able to tell me how long I went. I'm going to try to hurry. First of all, respect your elders. And that's not only if you're 18 or younger. Everybody, respect your elders. Now, I get a little bit nervous because he said to to Timothy, talk to the elder like you would your father. Uh, Well, if we talk to our father respectfully, then sure. But we don't all talk to our fathers the same way, do we? But he's saying, uh, if it's going to be a rebuke, if it's going to come out in an attitude that's not right, change that attitude and talk to him this way. Now, you understand, elder here is not talking about pastor. It's talking about those that are older, age-wise. And the younger men, treat him as brethren. Again, properly. Some of you... The way you treat your brother, I don't probably, probably don't want you to treat me that way. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I don't, I don't know. But we treat each other the right way. The elder women treat them as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Huh. <laughs> this is, this is who I just called the journeyman missionary, Paul, writing to an apprentice, to his mentee, if you can call him that, the one that he's trying to teach and train. First of all, Timothy, show some respect, show some proper guidelines and boundaries to the men, to the women, to the young men, to the young women. If you can do that, You are on the right track. If you can't do that, everything else that I'm about to tell you, you're going to struggle with. Verse 3, Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. He's telling Timothy... Not all widows are equal. Some widows have a support system. They don't need your help. They've got their children or others around them that take care of them. That's the difference in widows and widows indeed. A widow indeed here is a widow that has nobody else to take care of them. Verse 5, now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give charge that they may be blameless. Verse 8, this is the verse that I call the job verse. But see it in proper context. But if any provide not for his own, and specially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You take that verse out of context and you just get to go tell everybody you got to work. You put the verse in context and you see everybody has a system of support. You make sure it's being followed. Provide. Everybody say provide. The Lord knows that human beings have to eat to live. You think he knows that? He knows that human beings have to have clothes and shelter. You think he knows that? He knows that. So when he says provide for, he is saying make sure that everyone that you are responsible for has their needs met. (laughs) Oh, this is responsibility. If I'm not providing, I'm not following the word of God. If I'm not trying to provide I'm not following the the word the instruction that's given here. Everybody I I said it again let me stress this. What regardless of the stage that you are in right now or have been in the past we are all in the system. We, We all have a system of support designed by God for us. Some people Very, very few. No, I'm not trying to be facetious with this. Very few people, their system of support is the church. I'm not talking about pastors that make a lot of money and get to live rich. No, I'm talking about people that don't have anything else or anyone else. That's why Paul is writing this to Timothy to say, if it's this person, their support should come from here. If it's this person, their support should come from here. If it's this one and they don't have any of that, then the church should help there. Are you with me? Verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old. That means 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. So, one, one translation says, don't put her on the list of widows. Why is there a list of widows? Because we're seeing the ones the church needs to help. So, first of all, if she's 58, nope, sorry. I mean, come on, we can be a little bit flexible, right? Paul, Paul is giving Timothy instruction here. But the, Verse 11. But the younger widows refuse. Don't put them on the list. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. That's just Paul talking about humans. Verse 13. And with all, they learn to be idle. I already said this once. Being idle is about the worst thing you can be. But Paul is saying, if we've got... If we got people that learn that they can become dependent on the system, in this case, it's the church, they learn they can become dependent on that and not have to do anything productive with their own time, they're going to find this place of being idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers, also and busybodies speaking things which they ought not <laughs> now I can see it Paul is saying Timothy I've been here before I can I, I, I see where this is going if you if you take all the responsibility off of a person that God has designed for them to be in in a system of support, if you take that responsibility off of them, it's going to end poorly. Pardon the pun. Poorly. You get that? Poor? Okay. Paul is telling Timothy, everybody's got a role to play, and if they don't play their role, it's not going to end well for that person. What is it? Proverbs. Uh, let's see if we got this right, but Timothy. Proverbs nineteen ten. I want you to see this this scripture. Nope. Nineteen thirteen. foolish son is the the calamity of his father. The contentious and the contentions of a wife are continual dropping. Verse 14. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Verse 15. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. An idle soul shall suffer hunger. This is again Solomon, the wisest one, saying if you don't work you don't eat. The slothful. there's a lot of things you can suffer but this one, hunger you are going to suffer it if you don't work. Now, you can't tell a 12-year-old that because they're not in that role of the system of support yet. I mean, you can, you can parent a little bit and say, well, <laughs> oh, I don't have time for this. I'm sorry. But hunger. When a kid comes to you and says, I'm hungry, sometimes they're hungry, and sometimes they just want something. And we've had this discussion at my house more than once. You're not hungry. You just want fruit snacks. You're not hungry. You just want ice cream. <laughs> now, I could take this to the extreme and say, go get a job and you can buy all the fruit snacks you want. But that's what the scripture is telling us there. I got one more passage I want to read and then, then I'm going to be done. Uh, I know what's in here. Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. Let's jump down to verse 3. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. Nope. Sorry. 18. would think I'd make better, better notes by now. Matthew chapter 20. I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, that's not like one cent USD current time. This was the average laborer paid back then. <laughs> the, Jesus is teaching in parables, and his point is not that the Lord is cheap. Okay? So, so understand. The point is not that, the, that pe- he doesn't expect people to have money. It's, we'll get there. When he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard, verse 3. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. What was that? Standing what? Idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Pause for a second. The first group hired at the beginning of the day had a contract, a legally binding contract. This one is you work and I'll pay you whatever we agree on at the end of the day. You see the difference there? He said unto them also, go ye into the vineyard. Whatsoever is right, I'll give you. They went their way. Verse 5. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. That means every time he went, he saw people standing idle, not working, and put them to work. Verse 6. About the 11th hour, he went out. This is, this is 5 o'clock, I believe, if we count them on the calendar of the hours. This is 5 o'clock in the afternoon, our time. About the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle. Somebody say idle. It says unto them, why stand you here all the day idle? Verse 7, they say, because no man hired us. He said unto them, I'll hire you. Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, you shall receive. Verse 8. So when the even was come, the end of the day, the Lord of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. Get the crew that started at 5 o'clock. We're going to pay them first. Next verse. (laughs) I told you I'm trying to hurry. And when they came... They that were hired about the 11th hour, the last crew, the evening crew, that clearly didn't work all day, they received every man a penny. Verse 10. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. Verse 11. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. Verse 12 saying, These last have wrought but one hour. They only worked one hour. And you made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. I've been working all day long, and he gets paid the same as me. Verse 13. But he answered of them, one of them, and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Verse 14. Take that is thine. Go thy way I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Verse 15. It is not lawful. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? I got to stop here and just say. The Lord is in charge. He can pay whomever however much he wants to. That's the first thing. That's the first lesson. He's in charge. The Lord is helping us with our attitudes. I got to hurry. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own Is thine eye evil because I am good? Verse 16. So the last shall be first. This is the end of the parable. And this is Jesus now summing up the parable. So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. The kingdom principle of this parable is that the last shall be first. And the first shall be last. Another takeaway is to honor your agreements. If you agree to do something for somebody, for some, for some wage or some payment, honor that. The Lord expects us to be honest and honorable in our labor. Don't be jealous. Look at somebody and say, don't be jealous. There was jealousy involved when I see so-and-so get something for doing less than I did. Don't be jealous. And idleness. Idleness is waste. Why are you wasting the day? That's That's the way to paraphrase what he said, especially to those at the very end of the day. Why are you standing here idle, not working? You can stand with me. I'm coming to a close. The Lord, the Lord started dealing with me yesterday. Believe it or not, of all things, what I was doing when the Lord started dealing with me about this was I was washing windows at my own house for no pay. I'll add that. Not like a side gig. But I was, I was sitting there, and I was just spraying and washing and, and all that stuff, and the Lord started talking to me about work. And he reminded me of a few things. First of all, there was a season of my life where I, it wasn't a long thing, okay, don't think that I was like a, You know, pro at this, but I got paid to wash windows, and I needed that money. That was a season of life that I was in. You know what else I needed? I needed the experience, not because I was going to keep washing windows and open open up a cleaning company. No, I needed the lessons that the Lord was teaching me in that season. Once it was Annabelle, when she was 16, she's 16 now, when she was born. The apartments we lived in 16 years ago. You you all know Bishop, most of you know Bishop Schoonover. He shows up, we move in, he shows up, and he's looking and his business mind is going. These buildings could use a wash. (laughs) I got the equipment. If you want to, this is what he says to me, if you... (laughs) I can see him right now. If you want to, we'll go talk to him and ask him if they want us to wash these buildings. And I thought, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're leaving it up to me, Bishop. <laughs> and guess what? We didn't. <laughs> but I learned. In that moment, I learned. The Lord will present you with things and then He'll teach you from those things. And in those seasons, the Lord uses seasons. See, this is another reason why I can say I know we're not all, our, our employment situations are not all the same because the Lord uses seasons of life to teach us various lessons and things He wants us to learn during that season that we couldn't learn otherwise. I'm getting, I, I, could, I, could, I got more here I could read, but I'm not going to do it. But I got a note in there about retirement. You know what retirement is? It's a season. It's a season. I, I have to make this statement. And I, I make this in the fear of the Lord and Honestly retirement is a season it should not be your one goal in life I don't even know that there is anybody here that it is but it should not be because if it is it's proof to me that all the time that I'm spending up until that point is for the wrong reason the Lord took me through one season where the lesson he needed to teach me was I own all of your time I own all of your time it's not like I own all of your time except Monday through Friday 8 to 5 because that belongs to your employer no I own all of your time please don't ask him to teach you that lesson Please learn it before he has to teach you that lesson. Because if he has to, he will let you know the employer does not own you. If he has to, he'll let you know your family does not own you. He'll let he he'll, he'll teach us the things he needs to teach us, and he does it through seasons of life uh, now I just know that the older I get, the more i I see the importance of seasons, and the more I know that he works in seasons when I was young, that wouldn't have made any sense to me other than this this is no fun, but it's The Lord teaches us through seasons. And he will teach us what he wants us to know. I'd like us to pray here before we go. I'd like us to pray that the Lord would show up in this season for us. I'm not saying that you you don't know why you are where you are. Some of you might. Some of you might not. But whether we do it or not, the Lord can always teach us and share more with us. And I'm not worried about the next season. Okay? That's a key point there. You can't force a season. Only He can. So we pray, Lord, this season, where I am and what I'm going through, Lord, would you teach me? Let's make that our prayer. Lord, in your name. God, I believe you have each one of us at this time in your kingdom for for this reason, for this purpose, God. Some of these are parents, God, that are raising young children. Some of these, God, they're not raising young children anymore. They're on to a new season of life. God, some of these are young in employment. Some of them are well-seasoned in employment, God. I pray right now, teach us the lessons, Lord. Teach us how to walk with you, God. How to labor with you, Lord Jesus. God, I give you all of my time. I give you all of my energy, all of my resources, God. It belongs to you. Jesus, it belongs to you. If it's not from you, God, I pray, let it be out of my life, God. If you've got to turn a situation, Lord, if you've got to cause a change in season to get something out of my life that's not from you, I pray it right now in the name of Jesus. God, in your name, God, in your name, use each one of these, I pray use each one of these I pray God in this season in this season of life oh God you already know what the future holds Lord I trust you with that and I put it in your hands God I'm praying right now not about the future but about my present Lord where you have us right now I pray work it for your will work it for your kingdom for your glory Lord Jesus in the name of Jesus one more prayer before we go I want us to I said this last week asking for wisdom asking for wisdom that's never the wrong thing to do the scripture instructs us if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of the Lord can we do that, Lord Jesus? God, I'm thankful for where you have us right now. I'm thankful, Lord, that you've brought us each to this point in this season that we're in. I pray, God, for wisdom from you right now. Jesus, I pray, anoint the minds. Cover these minds, oh God, I pray. I pray for these homes, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for these families right now. I pray your covering over them in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would give us wisdom, Lord. Wisdom to know how to go about our daily routine. And wisdom to know, God, when we are serving you and when we are not. Jesus, that we would live a life according to your will. God, that our time and our days would be directed according to your will I pray it in the name of Jesus God lead these men and these women God lead these young people I pray God give them wisdom grant them wisdom to know Lord Jesus what is your will to know what is your leading and what is your direction I pray it in the name of Jesus hallelujah amen I'm going to remind you what I said at the beginning is do we find in us the desire to live according to the word of God amen if it's there if that desire is there the answers are in here the direction and the instruction are in here amen amen God bless you greet one another you're dismissed in Jesus name